I would speak to you in the name of the living God who was and is and is to come, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. I suspect just like that moment I just had, all of you have had a pivotal moment in your lives when you've suddenly found yourselves changed and transformed for the better in some life-altering way. Maybe that moment involved another person who you met who had such an impact on you, it helped you become someone or something you really wanted to be, whether you really knew it at that time or not. It could have been a teacher or a professor or a coach or a manager or a boss or a relative or a friend. Perhaps it was just that one individual who stepped into your life when you really needed them the most to help you fully connect with an experience or a time in your life that would impact everything that came after. Or it could have also just been that one person in the right place at the right time who first invited you to join a sport or a hobby or something instructional that even though you struggled hard to understand it at the start, you almost instantly realized that this is exactly what you wanted and maybe even needed to find your purpose and your direction in life. And it could have also been that important pivotal moment you encountered out there on the road like Jack Kerouac traveling on a journey somewhere you either never thought you'd go or you simply arrived at unexpectedly one day. And the only way we ever know that this moment, this person, this experience is so important and transformational is because it opens that door for us to walk or maybe climb, crawl, or even be drugged through that causes everything to be different when we finally make it to the other side. For me, I can remember when my great-uncle Mike, who is now long deceased, called up and had my dad bring me over to his house one day when I must have been only eight or nine years old to give me my first old beat-up acoustic guitar. It was actually a 12-string guitar, for those of you who know the difference. But when my Uncle Mike gave it to me, he had strung the guitar up with only the six primary strings so that I might be able to learn to play it like a regular guitar. Even after he'd given it to me, it still took me a very long time to learn how to get that guitar into tune and how to play the chords and even to hold it in the correct way. And the biggest struggle for young children who want to learn how to play a stringed instrument, especially a steel stringed instrument like a guitar, is the pain that comes in your fingers when you try to press those strings down on the hardwood of the fretboard. You have to endure the soreness in your fingers for just long enough for the skin to thicken up and harden and become calloused. And I definitely remember just as vividly how painful those tough strings on that old guitar were on my young fingers. But in that one moment, By simply giving me that guitar, regardless of whatever pain and struggle it might bring, I knew right then and there I wanted to do all I could to learn how to play it. And today, after all these many years, and a whole lot more guitars that I've acquired since, please don't talk to my wife about that, (laughs) it is still that first old beat-up guitar given to me freely by my loving uncle, that provided me one of the most important moments in my life that changed 
everything that's come after. It was right there that my young mind was opened up to want to do something different with my future and my heart was forever redirected to the draw and desire and the love of a world of music. And I know each of you have your own stories today that you always will remember. The story of that one event or maybe several, that one important person that shaped you into who you are today and continues to inspire and push you to be better and to work harder and to go farther. Brothers and sisters, this morning we are arriving at one of the great pivotal moments in the story of the world and of our Christian faith, the first appearance of the quintessential Advent saint, John the Baptizer. It is John who somehow rises up out of the desert in ancient Israel at just the right time to give the Hebrew people the message they once had received from the prophet Isaiah to prepare the way of the Lord to make the crooked path straight again for the arrival of something incredible and transformational that was coming. John the Baptizer will, of course, forever be etched in our Christian brains by the description the gospel gives us of him this morning. as nothing short of a wild man dressed in camel skin with nothing but a leather strap holding it all in place, living only on grasshoppers and the sap from whatever plants there are that grow out there in the Palestinian wilderness. Most of the famous statues of John in the church show him as other, utterly emaciated and with a face and eyes carrying a look that is approaching madness. And yet our gospel this morning tells us that the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out into that desert to seek out and listen to this spiritual wild man. Matthew tells us today that the message of John the baptizer to all these people, clergy and lay alike, Pharisees and Sadducees, men and women and children, was a call to repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now John, of course, has much more to say to those gathering around him on the Jordan River today, but that word repent, translated from the Greek word metanoia, is at the core of everything else he will say and preach in the Gospels. John will chastise the Pharisees and the Sadducees today who come to him demanding that they should bear fruits worthy of their repentance. And he will say to everyone that just as he himself has come to give a baptism in the waters of repentance, it is meant to prepare the people of Israel and the world for the one who will come after John to baptize them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. But it all begins with John's first words in this morning's gospel. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Of course, today, after 2,000 years of the church's preaching and teaching, using that word repent, especially when it flies out of the mouth of the wild man, John the baptizer, the word itself seems to carry with it always a feeling of impending judgment upon you and your actions. If someone looks at you and says, man, you need to repent, the idea, if not the word sin, should immediately come up in your brain. To be told to repent is a declaration of our need to get right with the Lord 
and with whoever we have sinned against. And for most of us, we take that call with seriousness. If it comes from someone we love and trust and who we feel that we truly have wronged, the call to repentance will carry with it always a sting for sure. While if it comes from some wild man standing out on the street corner yelling at you because you're trying to rush into town center to get one more Christmas gift, you'll probably dust it off if not feel a bit agitated that someone who has no idea who you are has some generalized judgment to cast upon you. And I totally understand that. But this morning, before we go any further into John the Baptist, and believe me, we have two more Sundays of Advent in which John the Baptist is going to make an appearance this year. I want to go back for just a moment to the deeper, and I would argue, more important meaning of that ancient word, repent, or more correctly, the Greek word from the Scriptures from which it comes, metanoia. For the Greek text of the Bible, at least when we first hear John the Baptist proclaim it, rather than immediately being tied to sin and wrong action, metanoia or repent is first meant to connect all the people to the kingdom of heaven that John proclaims has come near. And in the Greek text, the word itself simply means the change of our mind. So when John announces his central message of repentance, before it ever carries the judgmental weight of accusations of being nothing but a brood of vipers or a tree with an axe laying at its root for sinfulness, the first message is always to instruct us to rethink, to change our minds, because something incredible is happening and coming to us. Of course, as we all know, to change our minds can really only ever happen when someone or someone or something changes our heart first. And once the heart and mind have been changed, then that same experience we have on our journey of life happens again. The door is open for everything else in our lives to be completely transformed. John the Baptist, in all of his crankiness, finds his deepest frustration in just how blind all of his fellow Jews are to how amazing and life-altering what lies in front of them actually is and that they are closer to receiving. The kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom, the world as it was meant to be in the beginning, that garden with everything God created for us in the beginning, For those of us who are created in God's image, it is right there in front of them. In fact, the path needs to be straight because God, God's self, is about to walk again in the midst of the people in the form of the Lamb of God who we know was and is Jesus Christ. And so if you're John the Baptist in the desert and you know what's about to come, of course you feel the need to tell everyone as loudly as you can that their minds and their hearts and their lives need to get changed because something truly freeing, something that can save us, something that is transformational is almost upon us. This morning, that idea of John the Baptist And his call to repentance is reminding me, myself, of all those pivotal moments in my own life when someone or something opened a new door for me and by walking through it, my life was changed for the better. 
I would certainly place this church and all of you on that important list in my life. And I hope this Advent, John the Baptist can do the same thing for you. To open up your minds and your hearts to those things that change you. Because for us, the church is using the story of John the Baptist and his important role in the church's season of Advent with the joy and excitement of Christmas almost here to call to our memories the most essential moments when our hearts and minds were changed, not this just by the world, but by Jesus. Today, even in a world and culture that continues to become more and more secular, the happiness and the hope and the love of that Christmas holiday is too good for this world to let go of. And whether the world knows it or not, there is a deeper calling and a hope that remains underneath it. That even as we stand in the desert, that call is pulling the world to the one pivotal moment when the kingdom of heaven had come and the hope and the promise that it is here working through us and will come again. Of course, all we need to do to begin that hope again, to bring it closer and to feel it transform us and to save us and set us free is to take that moment once again to change our minds and our hearts, to repent and turn ourselves back to Jesus who has come to us and is coming again. Within everything else there is to know and talk about with old John the Baptist, this is the most important meaningful part of his Advent message all these thousands of years later. So let us, as tough and as hard as it is, even if there's a bit of a sting in a struggle, let us find our way to repent again and have ourselves changed again. For brothers and sisters, Christmas is coming and the kingdom of heaven is drawing near. Amen.